0: welcome to another edition of the morning devotional my name is pastor william hill the pastor of providence presbyterian church located in evansville indiana it's great to have you here with me for a wednesday january 10th 2024 and this is edition number 17 of season nine we're looking at the book of deuteronomy we're taking this book one chapter at a time just summarizing the chapters and uh, each chapter and trying to apply them to our daily a Christian walk. It's good to be back. I was away on vacation uh, last week, but I'm back and we'll continue this uh, this uh, su- this study of this uh, this last book in, uh, in the Pentateuch. But let's pray first and then we'll consider Deuteronomy chapter 17. Our God in heaven, as we come to your word again uh, uh, this day, we come asking that you would guide and direct us and help us and strengthen us, that you by your mercy and Uh, by your Spirit, would teach us these things that are here in your Word. Uh, We pray that you would uh, open our eyes and our ears, and that you would bless the reading as well as the teaching of your Word. We pray for Christ's sake. Amen. Well, Deuteronomy chapter 17 continues uh, working its way systematically through the Decalogue, or the Ten Words of the Moral Law of God, we know as the Ten Commandments. I'm just going to read the first... um, the first seven verses of the chapter you shall not sacrifice to the lord your god an ox or a sheep in which is a blemish any defect whatever for that is an abomination to the lord your god if there is found among you within any of your towns that the lord your god is giving you a man or woman who does what is evil in the sight of the lord your god in transgressing his covenant, and has gone and served other gods and worshipped them, or the sun, or the moon, or any of the hosts of heaven which I have forbidden. And it is told you, and you hear of it, then you shall inquire diligently. And if it is true and certain that such an abomination has been done in Israel, then you shall bring out to your gates that man or woman who has done this evil thing, and you shall stone that man or woman to death with stones. On the evidence of two witnesses, or of three witnesses, the one who is to die shall be put to death a person shall not be put to death in the evidence of one witness. The hand of the witness shall be first against him to put into death and afterward the hand of all the people. So you shall purge the evil from your midst. Now, <clears throat> this chapter really <clears throat> can be divided into three sections. I'm going to just give you a quick summary of two of these sections and then come back to the the passage that I just read. Um, in verses 8 through 13, uh, if you have an ESV study Bible, you will see that it's it's titled Legal Decisions by Priests and Judges. Uh, that is to say that there were various cases and various uh, matters that had to be adjudicated uh, within the camp of Israel, within that body, that nation of Israel. And so they were to be brought <coughs> to the priest and or the judges, to decide these matters, these cases, and whatever they have determined, however they rule in such an act, um, that therefore it shall be. Then uh, there's these laws in verses 14 through the end of the chapter, laws concerning Israel's kings. Now it's interesting that um, these laws are here in Deuteronomy. It's it's as though um, the prophet Moses, of course, uh, fr- getting this uh, this word from the Lord Himself, <coughs> is um, anticipating the day in which there will be a king in israel you notice in verse 14 when you come to the land that the lord your god has given you what land is that that's the canaan of course and you possess it and dwell in it then say i will set a king over me like all the nations that are around me you may indeed set a king over you whom the lord your god will choose one from among your brothers you shall set as king over you you may not put a foreigner over you who is not your brother now this is going to happen of course at the end of the judges there's that repeated refrain towards the end of that narrative in which there was no king in israel every man did what was right in his own eyes and so israel wants a king they clamor for a king the king that the ultimate king would have been god himself but um, they reject the god of heaven and god chooses a king for them one consistent with their nature one consistent with their behavior they give he gives them Saul. We know what happens with Saul; it's a train wreck. And so David replaces Saul on the throne. And so these are the, the, the final two sections of Deuteronomy 17. But I want to deal just uh, more specifically with this first section, this section that's titled in our, in maybe some Bibles, my Bible, "Forbidden Forms of Worship." Okay, Moses is still dealing with the first and second commandments of the law, and we know right away you shall. Uh, not sacrifice the Lord your God an ox or a sheep in which is a blemish. This is simply to say that we don't come to God in His worship with something that is uh, inferior. Um, we don't bring to Him the leftovers of our of our joy, of our zeal, of our hearts, of our minds. We come to God in worship, offering Him the best that we can indeed. Offer him. Now this is a picture of course going into the New Testament of that lamb without spot or blemish that is of course the Lord Jesus Christ who will be who will be the sacrifice for sinners. And so here God tells the people that you are not to offer uh, to him anything that is defective or blemished in some way. You you bring the best of your herd, you bring the best of your flock to the god of heaven then it moves into this whole issue of idolatry this is not uh, this is a theme that we have noted already uh in this study and it's one that comes up time and time again in the old testament narrative but it's not foreign of course to the new testament as well the apostle john warns the people to keep themselves from idolatry or from idols and idolatry, is an, it's a grievous sin against God. And he details this very clearly. Verse 2, if there's found among you with any of your towns that the Lord your God has given you, a man or a woman who does what is evil in the sight of the Lord your God, and what is this evil in transgressing the covenant and served, gone and served other gods and worshipped them, or then, of course, you have these things that they were forbidden to replace the living God, the sun, the moon, or any of the hosts of heaven which I have forbidden. If you go back to Exodus 20 or Deuteronomy 5, you see that plainly given. Now, if this is to happen, of course, it's a wicked evil in the camp. It it threatens the very unity of the people. Um, It threatens the judgment of God to fall upon them, and that will indeed happen many, many, many years from now uh, from this uh, particular writing. But If it does happen, then there's a judicial process that is to take place in which they confirm the allegations of those who have committed idolatry and sinned and done this evil against God. And so we see in verse 6, on the evidence of two witnesses or of three witnesses, the one who is to die shall be put to death, um, shall not be put to death. A person shall not be put to death on the evidence of one witness. Now, the Apostle Paul... Um, picks up this very um, point in, in, his, uh, in his first pastoral letter that we should not receive a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. Now, some who really are not uh, well acquainted with the Bible may think, well, elders in the church get a special pass, they, they get two or three witnesses, or otherwise a charge uh, can't be heard. But the fact is that this is a mandate that is rooted in Old, Old Testament uh, case law in civil law verse six and the evidence of two witnesses or of three witnesses in other words this is a this is a um, a matter in which everyone would enjoy the the matter needs to be proven an allegation is nice anybody can make them uh, accusations are wonderful people can make all kinds of accusations and they can say all kinds of things but to prove something is a Entirely different matter, and it needs to be proven on the evidence of two or three uh, witnesses. However, if it is in fact demonstrated that this person has committed this wicked abomination of idolatry, then they are to be killed. Now, what does this tell us about God's worship? What does this tell us about His um, uh, His jealousy over His own glory, over His own um, over over His law, and that which He has given to the people? It's a very serious matter. Idolatry in all of its forms is an abomination before the God of heaven, requiring the death penalty in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, I'm convinced that the penalty is excommunication, but that's a discussion perhaps for another day. But what we do note is that first we do not worship God with the with our afterthoughts, with our leftovers. And second, we recognize in this opening section that God does take his worship very, very seriously. And we too ought to approach the God of heaven just that way. Every Lord's Day, we have the privilege of entering into the very presence of God and to um, enjoy him. We should do so with the reverence and the awe that it demands. In other words, we should approach him with fear and reverence, not that we're afraid of God in the sense of of running away from him, but we should enter into his presence with that, with that recognition that he is God and there is no other, and he is God and we are not him, and he is other from us, and we should uh, then therefore revere him. We should stand in awe of his majesty. We should not trifle with his glory, and we should not trifle with his worship, and we should bring to him the best that we have to offer now, this means that as we prepare for worship each, each week, we, we should take advantage of Saturday evenings. I've often heard it said that worship uh, begins on Saturday night. Get the proper rest. Don't stay up half the night twiddling, along, twiddling around on Facebook and social media and whatever else you may be doing. Uh, but get the proper rest so that you're alert and ready to worship the God of heaven on the lord's day perhaps uh, use various resources that you can avail yourself to to prepare maybe read the passage of scripture um, that your pastor is going to preach from and talk about it as a family Uh, there are many different ways to do it and and you just uh, Mm -hmm. experiment with different ones and find something that is profitable for you and your family. But whatever it is, we want to bring to God the best of our worship. We don't want to bring the leftovers. And we want to worship Him, not idols, not the figments of our imaginations, what we think God should be or shouldn't be. No, we want to worship the one true God of heaven and earth as He's revealed Himself to us in His Word. And so Deuteronomy 17, of course, is very pointed on this matter. And it's a matter, of course, that the nation of Israel Uh, sets aside, they abandon, and they suffer greatly uh, because of it. Well, I trust these times are helpful. If you have any comments or questions, you can leave me a note. The way to reach me is there before you on the screen. And so until, um, and well, actually, uh, in just a few minutes, there'll be another devotional, same day, Wednesday, January 10th. Um, I'm just catching up from a missed one before I went on vacation, and so uh, we'll... Uh, consider Deuteronomy 18 in the very next edition of, of this devotional. And so until then, may God bless you.